Welcome to Blood and Spirit, the podcast for Black families evolving. I'm your host, NJ Malay Ali, and today I have a collection of guests. We're going to be talking about sexuality. In this second season of Blood and Spirit, we are examining deeper issues and circumstances and things that families have to manage. Because it seems to me that families do more filtering of society than creating the the dynamics of what society is all about. So we're going to be exploring that through our seasons. And this time, these folks are going to help us uh, talk about the various ins and outs of sexuality. Pardon my reference. Okay, so so here we go. I'm going to let everybody introduce themselves. Talk just a little bit about what you do, starting with Javetta. Welcome, Javetta. Thank you. So my name is Javetta Sabre. Um, I am from Albany, born and raised. Um, I'm a local photographer aspiring videographer, content creator, and visual artist. Yeah, basically, I'm just all about whatever is good for liberating the people and the culture, and that's really all I care about. Welcome, Javetta. (laughs) (laughs) I am, um, let's see, I am, I'm going to go by Strictly Oshi Tight. I am an, I'm an artist. Um, I, I write, rap, sing, produce Currently working on learning engineering, mixing, and mastering. Um, I'm from Albany, Georgia. Um, not born, but raised in Albany, Georgia. So by way of Houston County, Georgia, I guess. And I'm all about learning self-love and expression. Just getting it out. Hello, everybody. I'm glad to be here. Um, I'm James Pratt, Jr., um, born and raised in Albany, Georgia. I love my city. I love this space. I love this place. I love the people here. Um, graduated from Morehouse College. I love my school. Working on a PhD in criminology, law, and society. I have a master's in sociology. I love discovery. I love research. I love understanding more and more about culture, violence, uh, existence, and beingness. So uh, I consider myself to be a phenomenologist. Used to be a social scientist, but I, I expand beyond that. So glad to be here and glad to have some good discussions. And that whole phenomenology thing is is kind of a perspective that we want to take here. We're talking about, when we talk about sexuality, uh, people's minds go in different directions. And in fact, with this one, my mind, when I first conceived of this subject, was actually leaning more toward a pathological direction. And I realized that certain things like We're going to be talking about the meaning and the experience of of LGBTQ life, identity, and uh, in this particular segment on sexuality. But then you talk about just what it means, what's your sexuality for anyone, whatever they identify as, whatever uh, location along the spectrum of between masculine and feminine they find themselves or trust, you know, believe themselves to be or identify as, know who they are on that spectrum, what does that mean to you? What does that expression mean to you? How does it impact your daily life? How does it impact the way that you establish relationships and what you plan to do about marriage and how you plan to deal with children and how your household is going to go? It's a phenomenon that each of us lives with and and sometimes, many times, it's unconscious, and it's been, I think, one of the greatest 
contributions of the LGBTQ community to bring that into consciousness, to bring that into language, to bring that into how we understand who we are and how we came to be. So talk about that for me. For each, each person, I want you to, let's deal with some definitions first. And I might want to ask you how you identify along that spectrum. How do you identify on, along the spectrum of the masculine to, to feminine continuum? Ooh, that's a, that's a question. So for kind of when I'm just getting to know people and I'm like, hey, how you doing? You know, I might just say, oh, I'm gay and just leave it at that. Um, because I think that it's communication and being able to be understood quickly and succinctly. Um, gay can be used, especially down here, like down in the deep south, can be used as like, oh, okay, you're not straight. I know I get that. Like, you're not straight. Um, and that's, that's that. And I think the next level would be queer. Definitely defining myself or redefining myself as queer, as a sexuality that's something other, a sexuality and a gender identity that's something other than um, what we've been colonized as here and what's assumptive or what people assume that gender or sexuality may be, because I do believe it exists on a spectrum. And so queer kind of captures both my identity as a person of color, as a black person, as a person coming through the legacy of the transatlantic slave trade or the MAFA. Like it encapsulates all of that inclusive of my sexuality. But then even going a step further, as I think I'm sitting at a place right now in terms of like masculine and feminine identity um, where I'm leaning towards more so identifying as either non-binary or gender void because I do think that the gender binary, as we've learned it here in the West and through colonization, is something that's actually really hurtful to people and classes people according to their genitalia, which is absurd. But again, like if I'm just rolling down the street <laughs> and you ask me what's good, I'm going to let you know that no, I'm not heterosexual. But at the same time, there's kind of like layers and it just keeps going. And I'm always striving to find that word or maybe not even that word, just that existence that that captures all of my experience. And I'm still kind of exploring that every day. So do you find that just getting that out of the way off the top? just clarifies a relationship right then and keeps you from having to like jump over, you know, certain barriers later on? Uh, I think it depends. I think it depends on where I'm at. I think in particular, if I'm out in the world and I'm around folks who aren't black or who aren't people of color, um, I think I really don't care <laughs> how they view me. Because even with that, with with non-black people and with non-people of color, there's a sort of queerness that comes with being black anyway, where they don't necessarily witness, even if you're a black woman, they don't see your full femininity because they can't see you as a whole person. So with white people, and, and I, I really don't, you know, I don't, I don't care. When it comes to black folks um, and people I consider my fellow communities of color, I think it also depends on the situation. I know if I'm going into a space where we're kind of more conscious and more aware of ourselves and our historical legacy, that's something that I get out the way from Jump Street because it's going to let me know how far you are pushing your own decolonization. But if I'm in a sort of just a cookout, you know what I'm saying? I feel like most of the time people can kind of tell by how I move at some point, whether it's when they first meet me or later. But if we're kind of just in a community space, I let people assume what they want and ask me questions. But if we're talking about liberation and liberation strategies, and that's something I get off 
out out from the gate because I want to know where you stand and can I trust you as my comrade? I guess to be clear on the question, I usually don't have to answer that question. It's just, it's just, oh, that's, that's all she, yes, that's pretty much it. But I guess I, um, I guess I label as a lesbian. Most people up front, uh, well, I'm definitely a, a stud lesbian. That's what they would call it. But whatever they want to call it. I, I don't know. I really don't. It, I don't I don't really label myself like that. I'm just me. You know what I'm saying? Although I know that I'm not straight. I I I, I, I you know, I'm a lesbian, I deal with women and like it's just something that I don't have to explain. I don't have to explain it. People look at me and they already know uh, that based off of what I look like, I already grow a beard and a mustache, and it grows naturally. I'm not on testosterone. I usually have to answer those questions. I'm not trans. That's that's a whole nother level of it, and I don't even know how I, ident- I identify on that level. I haven't gone into the, the depth of understanding or researching that to that level, but I'm Oshie, and I'm a lesbian. Awesome. Awesome. So for me, uh, specifically masculine and femininity, I'm not sure. You know, I, I, I present masculine. I, I, I present masculine. I, and I think what I'm wrestling with is the external kind of perception that I, that I walk in and the constraints that I deal with. Um, but I embrace the feminine actions that, 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 that kind of present themselves in, in my daily walk. Um, I embrace the traditionally masculine things that I do, but but I don't I don't think I I've never really thought about the masculine feminine kind of identity, uh, so to speak, which is interesting as as I as I continue to speak and reflect uh, as it concerns sexuality. I, I've I created uh, back in college this this idea of persona sexual. Uh, feminine persona sexual. I, I find myself generally attracted to uh, folks that are more feminine uh, presenting than, than any other kind of category, whether it's ma- ma- male or female. Um, so that that's kind of how I identify. And I just, like Veda said, um, I just kind of flow and exist in, in a space and, and just be uh, and try to resist uh, when I was in California, I tried to resist more and more categories and constraints. Here, it's a little more difficult because I do have a political life. I do have a, a certain life where I have to survive and survive not only for myself, but for other people. So I'm a little more aware of who I am to other people. But for me and myself, home and in, in my safe spaces, I exist. I think that's... Um I think that's that's kind of the goal for all of us to be able to just exist and that that's what I mean about the LGBTQ community giving us causing us to have pause and say what are what am I talking about <laughs> you know uh, where do I exist on this spectrum and whatever place I exist on the spectrum can I be just accepted for who I am can I be, and especially the younger set, you know, those those folks between, I would say, seven years old and 18 years old are asking those questions to a much greater degree, which, which answers for me a little bit of a question about how much polarity we want to live in, how much opposite kind of conceptuality we want to live in. 
whether it's all of the opposites, you know, male, female, black, white, light, dark, good, bad, all of those dualities that we've existed in over time, how do we start to break those down? How do we start to bring those together really more and see them as gradations of light, you know, hues that don't have to be boy, girl? You know what I mean? You just, you're this person. The non-binaries, particularly the non-binary identifiers are saying, I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is what I hear you all saying too, I am. And that amness, I think there are a lot of questions. And, and you mentioned one of the questions that, that people ask. And you, you, know, you both mentioned, uh, Javetta and Oshi mentioned some of the questions that people ask you. What are some of the, what are some of the questions that, that come to you about about and around your sexuality that you have had to deal with? Um, I think it's it's a real interesting question, right? Because in my family, I don't get any questions, but that's because, you know, we don't talk about it. You know, <laughs> we, we don't talk about it. Um, so I don't really get any questions there. I think the most questions I've had... Um, do you miss a man? Um, do you want to be a man? If we're African people, like being gay ain't African, uh, so how do you reconcile that in some way or another? Just questions along those lines that were more like, they. I guess they were kind of curiosity, but they were more like that person was trying to figure out their world, and they saw me as someone who like broke the rules of their world, and so then they approached me because of that. But in terms of like, yeah, from family and stuff, I don't get too many questions. And my friends, they'll kind of ask, you know, what's your perspective on this? Or has that been your experience? Or how do you see that in terms of, like, dating? But other than that, that's, those are the kind of questions that I get. Um, the type of questions I get is, like, it's more of a in conversation trying to figure stuff out and if I'm talking to uh, the people. So so you're the guy in the relationship, right? I was like, <laughs> I'm 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 one of the females in the relationship that happen to be the more masculine energy because I tend to go for the more feminine energy, and that is the weirdest stuff. I I don't know why it's weird to me. It shouldn't be weird to me, but but it's is they really want to know like like the position you hold in in the relationship. So it's like so so you're the guy, right? So so you handle da 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 whatever they wanna go into on that stuff. So I'm like just because of the way I present, you know, my, my physical being, but I have I have my 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 own softer moments and I'm 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 me and that's all I am. That's that's the first time I say I'm I'm just me, you know, in in whatever relationship it is or when I'm dealing with people, people tend to deal with me in a more masculine way as well. So I have to, I don't have to present masculinely with, with people, but it tends to be, how you doing today, sir? <laughs> I'm fine, thank you. Yeah. But um, what else is the weird stuff? I, I had to think about some more weird questions, but that was the first one that came to me. I guess for me, uh, as of late, I don't get questions because I'm engaged to a woman. Uh, and so that's a certain kind of privilege I've been able to, to just breeze by. But I think historically I've been asked top and bottom questions, uh, <laughs> uh, th- th- those types of questions. Uh, and who will you marry? I think I think that's one of the biggest ones. Who are you going to marry and what does that look like for you? Th- those kind of questions about 
where I think we're probably going is family and, and what the production of the relationship looks like. What am I going to produce from this thing that I'm engaging in? So, yeah, I, I think those are the, the biggest things. Yeah, I, th- I think that's about it. Uh, yeah. I think I'm, I'm going to take the position of, of maybe a general public type person and ask you, with your place on the spectrum of leaning toward the feminine, leaning toward your attraction to feminine, whether that's that feminine is located in a, in a female body or a male body, how does that allow you to decide on one body or another as a, as a okay, this is where I'm going to stay for the rest of my life? Or, or is that how you perceive marriage as something that is a forever for the rest of my life type arrangement? That's a great question. Um, so I, I guess I'll start backwards. So I, per, my perception of marriage is in love it is a is a long term partnership. Um, I, I do view it as that. And, and uh, again, historically, I've been fluid in that regard as well. So I've been open to the idea of polyamory and and all, all those uh, various forms of kind of open relationships. And and it's mostly leaned upon whoever I was with and their perspective on the thing. So I've uh, kind of adapted myself for that person. Uh, as it concerns the body and, and who I generally lean to, I think think all my, my interactions and my past relationships have been almost happenstance. Like I, I found myself attracted, I built a friendship, and it developed into something more beautiful and, and something more loving. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how it's been every time. Uh, I think the, the woman that I'm engaged to, I actually pursued her eight years after we met. So I dated a whole bunch of folks and then we reconnected years, many years later. Um, and I think that was the, I think I pursued, I, I eventually pursued each person after I formed a friendship mm-hmm. uh, in, in that kind of intimate way. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's how it ended up, it, regardless of the body, it was like, you cute. Or you you sexy, right, you beautiful right. to me, and I love how you exist and where I love how you move. I love how you are concerned about people. Mm-hmm. And each of the person uh, people I've been with have been very deeply compassionate, and that's something that I always desire because I need I need somebody that's gonna love on me and be compassionate mm-hmm. because I can be tough sometimes. So I think that's what kind of has guided me, regardless of the body that they exist in. How did your parents? What, what's your what's your parents' reaction to your? place uh along the spectrum so um i kind of had the conversation with my mom in college after a very bad breakup um i was my heart was so broken uh it was was the first uh male that i had ever been with uh, my first kind of experience with a deep kind of love from any kind of person um and so mama always knows she she always says that so it was three months before where she felt like she knew, but we had a conversation and I was breaking down and sad. She's like, I know, um, you know, I don't agree with, with, with the lifestyle or the idea and whatever. And there's a whole conversation about religion and these types of things. And, um, and it kind of leaned more into the perceptions of other people that she would have to deal with, the questions that she got from family, friends and other folks that she had to, fil- that she had to filter through. And I always said, send them to me. Send them like send them to me, but that that hurt her, and it, it was it was a hard thing for her. Um, through time, she kind of adapted and grew and met uh, one of my future partners, and and it, and it went well. We had lunch; it was great. For my dad, it was 
several years later where I quote unquote came out or discussed with him and it was in in the midst of a of an argument that we were having where I told him that that I uh did a whole array of things that he didn't agree with um <laughs> from all kind of things <laughs> and it was an email where I wrote to him and, and told him about it and it never really came up as a conversation uh as a, as a thing he he embraced it in a way it was it was an embracing by not talking about it but it wasn't like it wasn't like my mother was like I don't agree or any of those kind of things. It was just, you know, moving on. Moving on, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, What's them? yeah, basically, <laughs> basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that comes from a place where both of them kind of knew their son was a little different. And because I remember when I was maybe twelve, I, I remember asking my dad. I remember the place and the time. He, I asked him, uh, "What would you do if your son was gay or if, if I was gay?" And it was like, I still love you and all that kind of stuff. And, and that's something I appreciated about, about my dad. My parents are divorced, but I appreciate it. But my dad, he was always kind of open and kind of progressive in that way. Because growing up, he had a gay, a gay friend or somebody that was gay uh, that he operated with often. So, yeah, and I think the difference was that my mother was a little more religious, uh, has been more, a little more religious, and they kind of shaped how she kind of navigated it. Very interesting. What about you, Tiffany? Um, with my parents, um, the first person I really dealt with on it was my mom. She actually asked me when I was a lot younger. I was probably about fourteen, and I told her, "No, that's not." I lied to her, like you know, normal, normal teenagers trying to figure life out, do you know? And um, I um, uh, <laughs> I end up having to tell her the truth. Because of a breakup, that's usually that's usually when it comes. After a breakup, you have to be a little bit honest about why you're moping around and, and hurting real bad, you know. And uh, she still did not agree with it. I actually, I actually got kicked out of the house twice. I actually got kicked out of the house twice because I wanted to spend time. And, and that's just not, she didn't see that it was fit. And I got kicked out of the house and... Uh, Eventually, I mean, she can she can mention it now. She's she's met a couple of people that I've dated, and uh, she's now to the point where she'll. I don't think she still really totally accepts it, but she deals with it in her own in, in her own way. And uh, my dad is like, I, I don't know. He's just he's. That's a more receptive of certain things, I guess, and because it just doesn't bother him at all. And he's like, "Hey, how you doing? Come on, eat some of the ribs I cook," you know. <laughs> so it's like it's 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 kind of that way for me. Oh. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. Now, how did how did you feel about those putouts? How did that how has that affected your relationship and your capacity to be compassionate towards your mother? Um. One thing is for certain, I never wanted to to force anything on them, you know, and that that's partly why it took me so long to come out anyway, because I didn't I didn't come out till I was twenty five, you know, and I was still trying to push myself in the other direction. I'm like, no, I'm not gonna do it. I'm just gonna be single for the rest of my life and alone in in a corner somewhere, and like, um, it, hmm. It stopped me from talking to her for a while in the beginning because she doesn't like to be 
wrong or for someone else's opinion to matter or thoughts or feelings as far as as far as her trying to understand things it, it she 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 has a set way that she wants to think and it has to kind of fit and if it doesn't fit she kind of doesn't fit well sit well with it and I have to let her sit by herself on figuring it out you know and occasionally saying hey how you doing and moving past it even without talking about it like just just moving past it so um I know her th- I I feel like I know her thought process and I just have to let her be and still just give her love anyway, whether it's from a distance or whether it's just a phone call every once in a while, say, how you doing? You know, just to let her know that it doesn't, it's not going to stop me from being your child or loving you in whatever capacity that you allow me to love you in. Yeah. So that's it. What would have been a really productive approach. Before, let me back up a little bit. When did you, for yourself, realize your sexuality, your your place on the spectrum, for your own self? I feel like actually the position, like figuring out whether I'm like gay or not. Yes. Um. I um. I had some thoughts about it when I was very very young, around five and six in that area, kind of knowing that I, I I like girls and I don't know why I like girls. Is this right type thing? I'm not sure. You know, I don't see anybody else around here that might be able to answer this question because I, I was never around any of it. So I know I wasn't influenced by anybody. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm the only one like me in the world. And that's that's how it felt being that young. Feel like I'm the only one like me in the world. What am I gonna do about that? Oh my God, I'm gonna have to leave my parents' house. They're gonna kick me out. They're gonna kill me, that's or they're gonna yeah. Well, yeah. Like from that point on, it was those self conversations that were happening. Was happening. I'm like, okay, well, yeah. I'm gonna have to get out by the time I'm 17. I'm pretty sure 17 is gonna be the age. And it, it never came to that because I was still really trying to stay in the back of the closet. And that's just what it was and it was a it was a struggle to do it like like I said I didn't come out till I was 25 although I did have a girlfriend when I was 19 I didn't really come out out like I wouldn't go into no clubs or no places to meet people and say hey you know anywhere to go so I can go hang out with all the good you know yeah <laughs> you know it, none of that was happening and um like I realized like after high school, like after high school, graduating, that everybody that I was hanging around was in fact gay as a boot. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, all of us around here struggling this whole time trying to like, ex- ex- you know, explore stuff and talk to somebody. And all of us sitting around here, some of us married now, some of us got, you know, whole family stuff. You got a whole girlfriend that we've been hanging out for all these years and nobody has had this conversation. And we supposed to be friends right here, man. Come on, you know. But it's it was. They could say the same for me, but it was in in that time frame, in that in that place of coming up, in that age. Not like now, it's easy for them to to go to come out and to have a friendship with people. I can't say that it's super easy, but it's way easier than it was when I was coming up. Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody thought you were gay coming up, like in my my generation of it, it was like, it was a bunch of shunning going on. You might get beat up. You might, something is going to happen and it's not going to be pretty. Mm -hmm. 
You know, so that was a struggle with that. It was a struggle with um, coming out to the parents, the whole family thing. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to sit in the back of this closet for a little while longer and see what's going to happen. You know, so that that was my ordeal. What about you, Javetta? How did how did your your parents, your family react, respond? And how did you? How did you? How did you? You know, just take us all the yeah. way through when you discovered yourself and when you decided to share that discovery with anybody else. Yeah, I pretty much knew I was some type of queer when I was like twelve. I remember being I was at Highland Highland Middle. And I was sitting next to one of my classmates, and I was just like, she is so cute. Like, <laughs> like I was like, oh, my God. Like, what? And I was pretty much a late bloom. I mean, I was a real big nerd and still am, and just my head and books and all that type of stuff. So I really was, I mean, I was kind of late on the puberty game, to be honest with you. Um, people were exploring their sexuality, whether it was heterosexual, whatever it was, a lot earlier than I was. Um, but yeah, I kind of, it was, and then another one of my friends, I think had asked me to, um, it might've been like seventh grade, what, seventh grade or eighth grade prom or something like that. And it was a guy and I was like, no, like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to go with you. I want to go with her. (laughs) Um, and so at 12, at 12, I knew there was something different about how I moved through this earth, at least different in comparison to what I had been taught was how people move through the earth. But I didn't say anything about it. And there were, like, one or two instances where I, like, almost got caught slipping, you know. But, like, uh, oh, she said, lied my way out of it because I didn't want to deal with it. Because we were very, like, a heavy Christian family. We was at church probably Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, like, usher board, youth choir, secretary, oratorical. We were, I mean, we were very involved. And um, and so, like, I, I didn't want to lose that, and I didn't want to disappoint my family either. And so I didn't say much about it. I think I was actually outed by one of my half-siblings when I was maybe about 16, 16, I think 16 going on 17. But I had been out at school, like, since I hit high school. Um, so I was out at school maybe about 14, 15, but kept that entire part of my life separate from my family, which is unfortunate for a lot of youth who are LGBTQIA+, because you don't get a chance to ask advice, you don't get a chance to like deal with heartbreak, or you don't get a chance to like get that perspective because you're out there on your own taking advice from kids your own age. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, my half-sister, I remember it because it was on MySpace, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, it was on MySpace, and uh, my father had passed that summer. And so, and me and my half-sister, we didn't have very much communication, but she had, saw I had a, I think I had lesbian at the time on my MySpace profile, and uh, there was a picture of my best friend at the time who I was not dating, but my half-sister assumed that I was dating her. And so we did this long back and forth about, you can't be a lesbian, I'm like, you can't tell me what I'm about to be, and all this other stuff. I went to school, didn't think nothing of it, because we don't talk. And this heifer printed out that entire conversation and took it to my mama and my grandma while I was at school. And so I got off school. My mama picked me up from school, and I was like, you know what I'm saying? What you doing here? What you, you know what I'm saying? And um, picked me up and drove around, asked me, you know, was it true? Da 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 da. And I was like, yes. I mean, at this point, because you got the, you know what I'm saying? Mail in your hand. I can't say no. 
And it was just, uh, I think, like, she had, like, kicked me out the car. Well, not kicked physically, but, like, was told me to get out the car. And I had to walk from somewhere back to the house. And um, I got home, and I was so sad. I think that's the only time my grandmother has ever told me she was disappointed in me. And I was just, like, heartbroken. But, I mean, ain't nothing I can do now. You know what I'm saying? It's it's out in the bag. And I think that's actually the last time we've ever talked about it publicly. And I don't think, I think they might have said something to one of my aunts, but I think my family really, really found out a couple years later when I went off to college. Because then I didn't care. It was Facebook. Like, I'm putting all my relationship <laughs> business on Facebook. Um, and I think they had conversations on their own, but because I went to school in D.C., I didn't, I was like, I mean, I'm living my best life, or at least trying to. And so now we've gotten to a place where my mama, we don't talk about it outright, like she won't ask me about my girlfriend or my partner, but she'll be like, oh, how's your friend doing? You know, she knows that we we have a relationship and, and I've had partners come over to my house and kick it, you know, my family always knows when I'm in a relationship because of Facebook. And they'll, you know, like people's like statuses and like pictures of us if we're together. So it was it was a very interesting journey because it's something that happened so young that was very jolting. And then through the next 10, 15 years, we kind of moved past it in our own way. And um, but there's never been like a formal conversation about it. But people have kind of come around to the idea or have unfriended me on Facebook, you know, either or, <laughs> um, have come around to the idea of me not dating a man or someone that they see as a man or anything like that. They've kind of wrapped their heads around around the fact that I'm probably going to bring home someone equally as weird as I am. <laughs> In a good way. In a good way. In a good way. Now, I think all of you, ex- except for you, James, Tiffany and Javetta, y'all described a kind of let's don't talk about it approach to dealing with that. How productive was that and how invisible did that make you feel? You know, how how does that make you feel to be in a situation where or, or do you need to talk about it or do you need to just be able to allow that to be a truth? that doesn't require a conversation because that's just an aspect of who I am and I can just go on and do the other stuff that I do in my life. You know, how does, how does that feel? How does that work in your life to, to, to have to or to be in a situation where it's not a conversation? Um, I think it's one of the most counterproductive areas in my life, to be quite honest. Um, because like I said earlier, I think a lot of things and a lot of situations that I was in and people that I might've dated before, I think I could have gotten a lot better information had we had those conversations just because a 16 year old kid shouldn't be out here dating people and not know anything about dating or relationships or red flags or anything like that to look out for. And so because they closed me off in that area and I didn't feel hurt in that area, There were so many other situations that happened where I didn't feel comfortable talking to my folks from going through like homelessness when I was up at Howard to like financial stuff. I didn't feel comfortable because I felt like I didn't have trust. I couldn't trust my family with like my heaviness or my differentness um, or disappointing them again. So I I think it, it really like made a lot of how I navigated my relationship with my family very difficult. And I think I lost a lot of time. I lost a lot of time with my family because I didn't feel like home was a place I could be safe. Mm-hmm. 
So I spent the next 10 years not being in Albany because this ain't a safe place for me. And I mean, I got to explore the world and all that good stuff, but really and truly, I didn't want to come home because I didn't want to have to deal with that feeling different or deal with judgment or just from that one initial conversation. And so now I've been back home for like three years and we kind of like getting into a vibe again. But for a long time, I did not feel like my family was a place that I could be my full self. So I didn't want to be around my family. Well, because I want to pick up on siblings and relationships and stuff and and things like that, because I have three little brothers, uh, 15, 14 and 11. And one of the silencing things that I had to deal with is not talking to talking about my relationship with them. Which is was an interesting thing because my my stepdad I have two step parents stepdad and stepmom my stepdad is a preacher so that kind of religious kind of perspective kind of shaped the way I was able to talk about it when I was dating one of my partners uh, who was a, who was a male had the same name as my little brother and we we were very very close and and I and I told him about my relationship because I was like as I mentioned before I was like I'm going to be who I am I'm going to exist with how I am and take it or leave it. And so I did talk to my little brother and I got chastised by my stepdad. Like, we don't talk about that. If he, he got to grow older and if we're going to talk about it, I'm going to talk to him about it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think, I can't remember correctly, but I think he told my dad and my dad had a conversation with me about talking to his two sons about it as well. And so that kind of constricted me and restricted my ability to talk to my, those two brothers about it. And I, I don't think, I've ever really had a conversation like I, I've when they say oh that's gay or, or something like that I always hey that's they can exist like that they can they can be like that they can love who they love and and um when 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 we're talking about relationships I'm like oh it can be whoever whoever I I, I kind of told the line uh, to be respectful uh, to to their parents because I I want to show them respect I do have deference but but I also don't want two my three homophobic brothers that that feel constricted if they do become whatever sexual sexuality they want to be I, I want them to be able to exist and not feel any kind of restriction or oppression or kind of things like that so that's a kind of experience I think with silencing that I that I had that was difficult for me because I love my little brothers I want them to to be free more free than I ever had to be because as as you mentioned like you starting to date and you starting to to love and feel these kind of things and you don't need to be constricted in that way so just wanted to add, add that too I'm sorry um for me i think is i think i've grown more comfortable not talking about it mm-hmm. simply because it keeps down the aggravation it keeps down the stress it keeps down the arguments it keeps the peace it's, and it's not like we we have we've we've grown to a point to where like like I said I I will invite partners over to the house if if you know Thanksgiving or something like that and have dinner or something like that come by and introduce uh, or whatnot but um, for me it was just it was just easier not talking about it the to not bring it up but the the hard part like I said comes in when you're in a relationship and you you need some advice and you can't go to your parents for it. Um, or don't really want to get into with your siblings with it to kind of have a conversation about it because they think that you're on a whole nother wavelength, like relationships are somehow different because you're with a woman uh, and you're a woman, or if you're with a man and you're with a man, they think relationships are just different, but relationships are relationships and people need those conversations. And that was that was the hardest part because it's a, it's a lot of growing I could, like like everyone could have done 
there's a lot of growing that I could have done that would have benefited that would have benefited me and the partner I was with in the relationship. And um that's that was that's a missing part. Um although I had cousins and aunts that I could talk to that was it was like, well, we knew it already. You know what I'm saying? Well, why didn't you say something to me and I could have talked to you about all this stuff, you know? And I can I, I appreciate those that that knew and gave me the space to just be who I am. And I, I appreciate being around that more than trying to be restrained around people that I actually would love to have better conversation with. But I, I enjoy the extended family, whether it's family, friends, um, cousins, uncles, aunts, whatever the case may be. You know what I'm saying? Because you never know who's going to need that same information later on down the line. You don't know what's going on inside your family because especially if your family don't talk about things. And mm-hmm. that's the thing with our families. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about things. It's just... It's just we're not gonna talk about that, mm-hmm. you know. Whether it's 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 a cake recipe or it, <laughs> what, you know, they'll keep it. They will not talk about it. I just wanted to also shout out my cousins. Like if if nobody else held me down, my cousins held me down. Um, and those were kind of like it's wild because a lot of us are queer, like are uh, gay or however you identify. Um, and so like a lot of us saw each other but because of the relationship that I had with my like closest family I kind of like threw the family together as a whole like all right y'all I'll holla at y'all later but my cousins definitely have always been like kind of like well when you come back we here you know what I'm saying so I just wanted to shout out that extended family for like being there when like the immediate family support wasn't there as well that's that that's a blessing to have, you know, that extended family where you can talk. And that's such an important thing. You know, secrets, I think, are some of the biggest things that that cause families stress. You know, as you were saying, you'd rather not talk about it so you can keep the peace and keep down the stress, but you're eating the stress. You know what I mean? The stress is eating you. Even though you're calling it peace, it's quiet, but is it peace? When you're not able to to be who you are and and what to what degree does that make you hide from your own self and that right there is just such a huge thing about being a person in the world can I be who I am you know where's the freedom and the exploration and on the subject of Africa you talked about you know some people talking about that's not African and I've heard those arguments and and I've also heard as we were sitting here you saw me rifling through my phone because I was trying to because I, I, I don't know where this book is that I that I need to get a hold of and I know that I sent my daughter a message that quoted this book by a sister named Sobonfu Somme. Have you heard of her? She's from she was she's passed now she was from uh, Dagara from the Dagara people in West Africa and she described how those people in their community who were transitional, had a transitional sexuality, didn't identify as male or female, were considered the gateways of spirit. Yeah, you read that as well? That, that, the, that, these are the gateways because spirit speaks to these people in a special way because they do have that, you know, it, it, it does bridge the divide, the, the divides that are in us and, and allows for information to come through in a different way. So there's a, at least in that community, 
And and I haven't, I don't know how widespread that is. And a matter of fact, I did talk with a brother recently, and we're going to hear from him this season, who is from the United States, born and raised in the United States, you know, been here for, for generations, but has a very, very deep and strong connection with the Akan people in Ghana. And talked about how in that community, they do not condone uh, anything other than straight straightness, you know, male, female, man, woman, get married, you know, love marriage, all that. And so, um, and recently, this week, this very week, Botswana decriminalized homosexuality. And however, throughout the continent, there are still those laws. But when they, when you get, when you go back, go pay, okay, they got these laws. How long have those laws been on the books? Since the 60s. What is that? That's not history. That is totally European-infused lawmaking. So what the African consciousness really is about sexuality is something that will be hard, well, that we will have to, to learn over time because they are, unfortunately, many times as separate from their own self as we are over here who've been separated from the land these 400 or more years. So do you have questions that you'd like to ask straight people? <laughs> sure. So I guess one, are you really straight? What's going on inside of you? I think, I think, that's, I think that's, that's something I'm always looking at people. I'm like, what, what's, what's really good inside of, like, what, what are you really feeling in this anguish or this frustration? Uh, I, I think I mentioned I went to Morehouse where I had, there was a, it's all male. And so people were becoming and exposing themselves and developing. And, and I was always like, you present this way, but you also said this and you also like there were there were signs and I picked up on them like that's that's so that that always made me want to ask like what how you feeling? Like how you really feeling? You know, on that subject I, I, I read that uh, in the United States, three point four or something like that percent of black people identify as non straight. Okay. And so I'm like, hmm. Is that a real identity? You know, is that is that does that really reflect the reality? I don't think so. I really don't think so. I really, really don't think so. And it's so, one. Let me. I'm just gonna have to go ahead and say this about um, the Christian approach to not speaking the truth, and that is because like Christians want to quote the Bible to you about, which is not even a quote. I mean, okay, and. They, they, they want to quote the Bible, but at the same time, how many gay choir directors are there in the <laughs> church? I mean, seriously. I mean, do you really want to, how many choirs would we have if they kicked all the gay people out of church? <laughs> so I mean, seriously, it's just not the truth. And we just need to have the opportunity to know who we are to be truthful about who we are, and to be able to explore our identity in truth, I believe. So go ahead, Tiffany. You talk about, you know, talk about that. You get racist. <laughs> I, I actually have forgotten what the... Oh, was the question was, what do you want to ask it, uh, straight people? Oh, uh, it's pretty much the same question that you had, because I get a lot of, I, I, I get a lot of, uh, because of my appearance, 
It doesn't matter if it's male or female. I, I, and I usually ask the guys, are you sure you're straight? Because, I mean, do you do you you see how I present? You know I don't like men at all. I'm, 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 I mean, I don't, I'm not attracted to you, sir. You know what I'm saying? I'm just not. Are you sure you're straight? Are you sure this is what you want? You know, so I, that question, and it's a lot of straight women that I like to ask, are you sure you're straight? You know, and people are attracted to what they're attracted to. And some people, I want to ask them, are you being honest with yourself, period? Mm. Are you being honest with yourself? Yeah. Uh, I think I really, 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 really want to ask people, if straight people, if you really believe that we're just spirits inhabiting a physical body, then like how are you so stuck to this narrative of what makes a man, what makes a woman, what may you know, like definitions. Like if you really think we're cosmic universal beings, then this body is just like you literally just presentation. Um and and so I don't I, I would love to hear people's answers to that because people will go back to you know, nature and all this other stuff. And I'd be like, I don't know y'all, because nature is real weird. You know what I'm saying? Nature is real, is real weird. So if you want to use nature again, and we're divine beings, like, I don't understand why you're so stuck on this physical, like, physical aspect, because we're so much more than that. Awesome, awesome. So tell tell me about, just let's step away from the identity as where you are on the spectrum. And let me just say, and I call it a spectrum, and really I call it a bell curve. The, the bell curve has, you're looking at two different opposites, and on one end of the bell is one opposite, and the, on the other end is the other opposite, but most of the, peop, most of the incidents happen in the middle. So in this case, you would have masculine on one end, feminine on the other end, and those are like well at the very at the very tip you got about like three percent of the population on either end of that, and then everybody else is a shade of gray, uh, somewhere in between. So that's how I see it. I don't see two. I don't see two. I don't I don't see that there are, are two genders or two sexes or two orientations like there there are many. And so, and I've said to, to folks uh, from time to time, you know, I've used the term, and I think it might be considered a little bit kind of disrespectful, but, you know, I don't, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I do mean to say that there's a lot more than what's there. So LGBTQXYZ, you know what I'm saying? It's like there are many, I think, so if we start giving everybody an initial, we're going to run out of letters, okay? We don't have but 26, and we got millions of people and millions of different like on a number line it goes on and i think i think that's why we should just let people be because it's so many and if you want to put a restriction or a letter or a description i mean you you want to describe things yes you want to know and understand what it is yes but if you if we don't allow things to be like we don't tell the sun to come up in the morning we can't do that the sun just be, it don't apologize for giving you sunburn. It don't apologize for burning your grass up. It don't apologize for making your car hot. It don't apologize for nothing. It's the sun. It is what it is. And all of us are who we are. If people just allow people to be who they are, ask questions if you want to. You could talk to people. People, I, I'm open. I'm open as I could be. I can talk to you about anything you want to talk about. 
if I'm fluid enough to talk to you about it, if I don't know it, I'm like, listen, uh, I, I can't handle that conversation. I really don't, because I don't understand. But if you, you help me out, I can have it. It's nothing wrong with doing that. But it seems to be the people tend to close up and not want to do that. Because most of the time, it's something that they need to get out that they're afraid to get out as well. And it's not not always sexuality. It's something else that they need to reach into, you know. And they're afraid that if if you can be that open and I come to you and I ask you about something, you might ask me something that I don't want to answer. I mean, just allow people to be. And when you're ready to talk, ready to be or do or whatever, just be it. Do it. So talk about love and marriage. I gotta do that first. Oh, I'll I'll reach into it. Oh, like what 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 what? Um, love and marriage. Um, love is tricky. Love is a is a trick that like like you never know when it's gonna happen, and it happens. In the in the oddest times and places, it's like, oh my God, I am head over heels in love with this person, and I don't even know what happened. When did this happen? And and when it does, it's like this beautiful expansion of not being able to breathe and being able to breathe, and like, I, it's just, it's 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 so much that you can't imagine until you're in it. You know, you're like, God, I I just. I just how did this, what is this? Have you ever like gotten, gotten like sick because just because you left the house to go to the store to go do something and you're just, you're too far away from that person? Like I've been there. That is ridiculous, but it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. It really is. And um, on the subject of marriage, I think that marriage is a thing that people do and not the government. And that's all I want to say on that. So, um, love. Uh, so, I, 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 in my work, in my own work, in my own writing, and following a, a tradition of phenomenology, I, I imagine love as a response to a crying out. To to, we all cry out when we're hurt, when we're harmed, and I think love is the response or that compulsion to respond to that cry from a particular source. And that and that's how I've kind of kind of evolved to to seeing uh, what love is, and I, and I think it's a commitment to to that person or those group of people or to beings in general. Because I think love is is expansive, and I think we should all share a type of love. So that's how I kind of imagine love. I love everybody. Like I tell people that I love you. I love y'all. Uh, um, and I and I think there's gradations to types of love, to intimacy, and all those kind of things. But fundamentally, I think love again is a compulsive response to the cry um and so there's that and then marriage i think is is it's flowing into structure a, a, a societal structure whether it be religious whether it be governmental whatever it may be i think it's it's demonstrating that a, a type of commitment and I, I believe i believe in in the utility of marriage the practicality of marriage but i also believe in the the beauty of committing uh, in, a, in a certain type of way. And I, I want to go back to religion. I think that I was I'm like, kind of like Javetta, I was all up in the church, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Thursday, Wednesday night, supper, all, all of it. 
And I think that kind of shaped my perception of marriage, that it is a deep and intimate kind of connection to an individual. And I, and I think that's beautiful. And I think you hit on something earlier about fear. Um, and I think, I think people resist a type of love because they're afraid of, of the unknown or, 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 or I don't know. It, that fear, I think I want to talk a little bit more about fear later on, but because I think there's a lot of fear that, that kind of mm-hmm. rides through sexuality, relationships, mm-hmm. and all those kind of things. And I think it's all grounded by a commitment to a specific doctrine, uh, whether it be Christianity or, or whatever it is. And, and specifically with Christianity, a lot of people, when they justify that uh, homosexuality or whatever is wrong is not grounded in historical context. Uh, a lot of people reference Leviticus and talk about what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. A lot of that was about not necessarily pure homosexuality or uh, proliferation of sexuality. A lot was that about the spreading of disease. That's why we get shellfish and all these kind of things. It was about the spreading of disease uh, that people were, were trying to resist. And the cause was because of perceptually sexuality and, and shellfish and all these kind of things. So a lot of people don't understand historical context. And that's something you mentioned earlier with law in Africa and all these kind of things. Is 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 his not historically grounded? So, all right, uh, Javetti, you want to speak on that a little bit? About about love and marriage. Oh, about uh, Leviticus and shellfish. And <laughs> Leviticus is the uh, I think Leviticus means law, or somehow the word law is derived from Leviticus. Wow. So it was all about laying down a whole lot of laws. Mm-hmm. And I, in my reading of the Bible. And, uh, and I'm sure somebody can, can clarify this for me. When I, at one point, decided I was going to read it from, from front to back, and I, I think it was Leviticus where I stopped, because uh, it is absolutely gory in some places and, and very, very hard to get through. Uh, for me, it was hard to get through. Um, but when it got to the, to the part about sexuality, homosexual, I think they use the word going into or the expression going into. I read that about males, a men, but I didn't see it about women. And I just read it over and I said, like, is this really not saying this? <laughs> it was amazing to me. And I and you know, I remember I would have to read it again today. But I read those passages over and over and over again because I was sure I was going to sleep somewhere in the process of reading that, but I didn't see it. Also, a bunch of times, just to make sure. And I had to really think on that. And I, I, I thought about it in the way that, and this, this, is, this is only my opinion because I haven't done any in-depth research on that, is it's, men are not going to say anything about women being together because they like to see that. And if it was written from the male perspective, it's, it's going to be some kind of, Okay, we like that. We're not gonna say that. Wow. I'm not gonna. I, 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 and I know some people may be mad that I say that, but this is this is only my perspective. I don't know it. I have not researched it in a way to get a greater understanding of that. But it's just because because I am who I am. I hang around a lot of males, and I know how they think about stuff. And based off of how men in power think about sex and and women, then that could have very well came from that place. I'm not saying that it did, because I don't know it to be factual, but it could have very well come from that place. 
don't, I don't have no. <laughs> um, yeah. So marriage, I really just want a wedding because I want to look fly. <laughs> so if the culture could kind of figure out, like maybe we had just have an annual this who I'm with fest. You know what I'm saying? Like something like that. I think that would be dope. <laughs> um, this who I'm with fest. Just every year, if you with somebody, you know what I'm saying? Like we ain't even so we can kind of just. Be popping, you know? Um, and love, I feel like I go into so many different places with love because I think on the one end, and I haven't studied it either, it's just what I've witnessed. What love means here in the United States and in the West is so conditional and it's so it's it involves a lot of punishment and control. And so I feel like a lot of times when I think about love, um, I have to step away from that because I'm like, is this what love really is or is this the Disney version of love? You know what I'm saying? Like, is this what love actually is or is this the love that's conditioned and been told to me by media? You talk Literally, we start out talking about media. Has, is this the love that I know through media? Is this love or is it trauma bonding? Like I had, there's so many things that I, I'm I'm working out through love that my my idea of it just goes in and out all the time. I love it when I see it. I love it when people are in love. I love when people are healthy with each other and are tender and compassionate to each other. Um, and that is a love that I strive for. But I find myself thinking about. Much like anything else in the United States, um, how much have I been conditioned to think of it in this one way, and what does it actually really mean for me? Very, very interesting. And so I would like to know, what are, for many people of various philosophies and persuasions, the, the objection to, quote-unquote, homosexuality or non-heterosexuality, whatever that means, is based on the principles that they work to live by? It's a, it's a value, and it's not necessarily a value that everyone shares, of course, but we, we appreciate value. And so what are some of the values that, that are important for you, whether those were things that you were brought up with, that, that you want to evolve, or things that you've taken on or learned through your walk in life. You've, you've seen this. You've seen it in operation and decided you wanted to embrace those things as values. So about three, three top values for you. Um, I think just off the top of the dome is curiosity. Um, a curiosity is something that I value so much because of literally what I just said. We've been fed so much and we've been really sheltered. In, in the cultures we've been able to see, in the lives and perspectives, um, you kind of get the same monotonous thing for most of your life until you're like 18. So I appreciate curiosity in other people and a willingness to learn about other people and just be curious about what's going on in somebody else's world. I think also a deep commitment to community is something that I really value very deeply. That's something that my family gave me. That's something that um, my neighborhood gave me was loving my community and loving my people and loving my culture from top to bottom. And and so that's something I really deeply respect. And then maybe the last thing I value is respect. Respect is something I think, I think those three things could just take you everywhere you need to go in life with anybody you meet from any walk of life. So, yeah. Um, I value communication. 
And I've learned that definitely throughout watching relationships growing up and through relationships I've 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 gone through myself and even friendships, whatever whatever it is, whatever ship that's sailing, I uh, I I value communication. I've I valued it. That's that's the thing. Communicate with me about how you're feeling. Communicate with me about whatever it is. And be and the next thing is transparent. Transparency. Be transparent. I don't want to have to guess what's going on because nine times out of ten, I'm gonna put my foot in my mouth and we're not gonna communicate appropriately at that point. And the last one is it like 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 she said, respect. I, I just respect me enough. Be transparent. Communicate with me. That's that's it. Cause I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the same thing. And as long as we can we can do those three things: respect each other, be transparent with each other, and communicate. You you got me pretty much. It, whatever whatever ship it is. So um, I, I grew up a lot as an only child, so I had a lot of time to really think about value and what's guided me um, until those little boys were born. But um, I think fundamentally, and this is something that's congealed as of late, uh, love, compassion, and mutual understanding. Mm -hmm. Those three things are like what guides everything that I do now. Mm -hmm. Love, compassion, and mutual understanding, which all in all of them comes honesty. Uh, so th those three things, and I, and I think love, compassion, and mutual understanding stemming from the heart, soul, and mind. Uh, which, which kind of captures feeling, captures this, these kind of existential kind of things and captures the analytical aspects of being. So those, those are my kind of like three things that come that have come from my family. Uh, my dad always, uh, don't lie, uh, don't steal. Although those are some big things. My, mom, my mother always, he's, she's an educator, so always focus on diving deep and understanding the other and those kind of beautiful things. And my grandma always talked about love and prayer and all those kind of things. So I think those are the three fundamental kind of values that I bring with me and keep with me. What would you like for your family and community to know about anything? Not necessarily about uh, sexuality, what well, it could be about sexuality, but what would you like for your family and community to know? Mine's definitely going to be about sexuality. Um, there ain't going to be no liberation if black queer people ain't getting free to, period. Like, so many of our liberation movements um, have black queer people at the underpinnings of them. I mean, from, like, the March on Washington to if you were AKA, shout out to Lucy Diggs Slow, like, and even founders of Deltas as well. So, like... In all of our in all of our lives, in all of our existences, there are black queer people that are there. There are black queer people that have been there and have put in the work. Um, here in Albany as well, with the Albany movement too. Like so, you can't cast us out because if you do, you ain't getting nowhere. Yeah. I got caught up in what you were saying. What's the question? Again? <laughs> <laughs> so, what would you like your family and community to know? It's okay to talk to people. Otherwise, how you gonna know? It's okay. And, and I think on top of that, piggybacking off that, as, as people say in the circles all the time, um, that it's okay to be, that it's okay to embrace a circle of life and living, uh, which includes death. I think that's something my family in particular has wrestled with real, real bad um, death. And at an early age, I had to embrace the possibility of death. As a black man, as somebody that experienced uh, death early on, my grandmother passed very early on, and 
And my mother kind of leaned onto me in that process. And, and that led me to embrace the fact that death is death is a thing and, and it can be beautiful and unique and powerful and transformative and legacy can bring us forward. And like that. And, and so I, I think that's something that I want my family and community to to really kind of understand it and wrestle with more the possibilities of living and being and what that looks like in life and death. That's one of those below the surface, a little bit more below the surface issues that we're dealing with in this season is grief, which is which is about how we deal with losses, particularly the losses of people and and animals that we love, because it's becoming more prevalent for black families to have pets that they love and, and to realize that they're individuals. So that's that's an amazing thing. So so yes, I really, really appreciate that and we're going to go deeper into into that. And I appreciate all of those expressions of, of your values and and the realization that folks that you are whole people. That we are that we are all whole people. That either any particular detail of our reality, of our being, of our quirks and nuances don't stop us from being whole people who see the world as in a whole way, different aspects. And so in, in, in closing, I also want to thank you for talking about the importance of families being able to talk to each other and what it does to the individual that, that ultimately you know that you love. Because in you know you you uh, particularly Javetta and Tiffany you described how initially your families rejected you as a result of learning that that you were not as straight as they thought you were or, or wanted to believe you were. <laughs> okay, but eventually you know even if they weren't able to have the conversation, they wanted to have you. You know, so they open that door somewhat to allow most of you in. Like they, they might want you to leave that other part out, but but they essentially they just had to get wrap their heads around what they have been taught and what they see, whether or not they understood the practical the practicality of what it is that they've been taught. You know, or we've been taught. What are the when you when you really look at it. The relationships, the values that you describe, respect, curiosity, communication, love, compassion, those things make a difference in how, we, in how people are able to be successful in life. How much difference does it make for, a, for an individual's success where they fall on the gender spectrum? So what is the practical application of that and what difference does it, you know, really what difference does it make in our lives? And so we, we have principles, you know, we, we have the, the Ten Commandments, for example. Don't lie, you know, cheat, steal, or kill. We know the difference that that makes in our life. Those are actual practical differences in, you know, they make practical differences in our lives. But does it really make a practical difference what your sexuality is? And I think those are some things that, that as philosophers, as people of value, as people who love, as people who are working to build community and have strong families and strong communities, we really need to ask ourselves and each other, what difference does it make? And so I'd like to ask you now, as one of our last questions, if you, and this is, this is one of the questions that I, and I failed to ask you my other top of the, top of the day question, 
Wow. But I'm going to ask you the close of the day question, which is, if you had all power such that whatever you say, whatever you decree will be, what would you decree to improve Albany family culture? Oh, oh. I'm going to have to sit with that for a minute. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anybody want to? <laughs> I would say a certain type of sight and seeing of history of how people have persisted and existed and and ruptured norms and all of the facets of rupture that of these liminal spaces that that we keep building and knocking down and building again so i think just sight beyond is the best way i can put it i think that's the that's what what it would look like for me for real for real i only was able to say that because that's something that like yeah imagining i'm always imagineering and imagining what could like what is that thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i'm gonna take a stab at it i think if I could just speak and it was so, I think that I would speak healing. Mm-hmm. I mean, such a deep healing into the people of Albany. We have such a rich history. We come yeah. from such a beautiful people. I mean, good goodness. Um, Albany got some of the most beautiful people I have ever seen. Mm-hmm. Beautiful language, beautiful culture, beautiful. We just are a beautiful group of people. And um, a lot of trauma gets in the way of being us being able to see ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I would speak just a real deep healing into the city for the people, for our relationships with each other, all, all our relationship with the land, our relationship with the Flint, all of it. I would speak healing into into us. Awesome. What? <laughs> <laughs> I, the only thing I can really think about is uh, some form of togetherness. Mm-hmm. I, I and I don't I don't know how to really expand on that yet but some form of togetherness we um there's a lot of people that that tend to to stay together and get together and and maintain a constant flow of of energy that that keeps them together and focused on goals and i wish that the entire city got that 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 feeling of togetherness that feeling of it's okay to be here and like see somebody and and like you don't even know them and it's okay to say hello good morning mm-hmm. you know it, just just to bring that that sense of all of us belong here not just you not just me not the not not the white guy or the black guy or the or the everybody belongs rare here mm-hmm. the rare asian guy mm-hmm. good morning mm-hmm. just to to we we we're, we're in this together mm-hmm. we're not separate we we we're together we we are a whole, the gay, the straight, the black, the white, the, the rare Asian. We are together. Mm-hmm. Just that would be. Amen is is correct. This has been this has been really really wonderful, and I hope that, you know, I'm always hoping that people are able to take something and recognize the the strength, the resilience, 
and the beauty, you know, like y'all was talking about, of our families and of our capacity to learn from each other and support each other and be for each other. And I'm and I'm taking the the um the statement that brother and I believe his name is William Smith, who provided the loan forgiveness or the the loan payments to the Morehouse class of 2019. His statement that we are enough, we are enough for each other. Yes, there are some things that we have to get past, but yes, we have our neighbors and our friends and our extended families that we can learn from. We're all in the process of learning. We're all in the process of evolving. And let's, let's do it together. Let's do it together. So thank you so much, everybody, for coming. I really appreciate it. And I'll be calling on you some more. So get ready. And that's it for this edition of Blood and Spirit. That's what it's about. Y'all have a great day.